0: And now, on with the show. Hey everyone, welcome to... We're watching here! We're watching here! This is Opinionated Movie Talk with Chris and Perry. My name is Chris Williams. With me, I mean... I would gladly pay him Tuesday for a podcast today. He is the Popeye to my wimpy Perry Seibert.
1: I guess, yeah. I guess if you're going to take anybody in in uh, in Sweet Haven. I guess I guess it would be wimpy, right? I mean, that's the, that's the best case scenario. You're at least eating burgers. That's you don't thing.
0: you don't want to be Bluto because no know, Bluto, but uh, you know, olive oil would be the obvious one. Except I am still trying to drown out the oh Popeye that just echoes through my head.
1: Uh, Oh, (laughs) It's one of the best things about that movie.
0: (laughs) I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I am saying it's stuck with me. Um, (laughs) Yes yeah yeah, that that quivering quivering voice is fantastic. (laughs) That is a reference to the fact that today we are continuing our Robert Altman series with a long-awaited by me discussion of Popeye, the 1980 Robin Williams film. And we will get to that in just a few moments. Uh, We will also get to what we've been watching in just a few moments. But first, I do want to say thank you. Perry, I know you want to say thank you, too, to everyone who came out in July to Maple Theater to watch us present The Big Chill as part of Secret Cinema. Um, Perry, I, I don't know about you, but I had a fantastic time. Yes,
1: that was an absolute and total joy. Uh, yes, if you were there, thank you so much. If you weren't, boy, we hope you come out next time we do it. It was a really great time.
0: Yeah, yeah, it it was fun. I was glad we had not just a turnout but a, a good turnout, and people stuck around with great questions after. Um, obviously, we've talked about the Big Chill on this podcast before. It's a movie that's very dear to you, but. Yes, as I revealed at the screening, I only saw it shortly after it was revealed to be our movie. Um, and I saw it twice within the last few months, and I have come to really enjoy that movie. And so great. it was it was great to have that opportunity. I hope we're going to be able to do that again soon. Um, so we'll keep you posted if there's any more events like that. But Perry, how are you doing otherwise? How's your summer going? Well, I tell you what, Chris, the last time you saw me was at the screening, right? That is true.
1: Yeah, I had COVID since then. That oh, happens. No. It's oh, a thing yeah. that happens. Yeah. But I will tell you, uh, when we'll get, we'll get into this in greater detail later, but I watched the first, I rewatched the first half hour of Popeye with a COVID fever. And that was, uh, I, that was, I'm glad I did. I'm glad I did. And, uh, and, and, uh, it's not, I don't recommend you get COVID just to watch Popeye that way, but it, for someone who'd seen it a few times, that was, it was an interesting foggish brain, under which to scrutinize this this inexplicable <laughs> motion picture
0: oh i'm sorry i had covid I, I had it back in april and that's not fun that's not fun so you look good you look like you're uh, doing doing i'm i uh, luckily
1: very i'm so many people have gone through so much worse i was never in any threat of
0: anything serious so yes it was just fine well good glad glad you're back on the mend and uh yeah to our listeners if you uh get covid watch popeye um that's that's the best medical advice we can give. Eat some spinach, <laughs> too. I guess that's good for you. Um, we're going to jump into our what we've been watching lately. And this is going to be interesting because um, eh, every once in a while, we know what we're going to talk about. We know what the other person is going to bring up in advance, but not always. Um, and usually it's something that the other one hasn't seen um, or maybe hasn't seen in a while. And this week we're going to do things a little bit differently. There are two new releases that perry and i have both seen and we actually fall on either other sides of the aisle from each other on these movies so you're going to hear mom and dad fight for a little bit um we're going to hatch out these movies um so perry why don't you why don't you go first with the movie that uh you do like uh i had a great
1: time at bullet train uh this is of course directed by i think it's, it's david is it david leach david leach yep who is who directed? Uh, I want to get the title right. Fast and Furious presents, right? I think Fast and Furious ones.
0: presents because it's classy. It's <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yes, the classiest franchise. And then I can't
1: remember the characters' names. It doesn't matter to me. Hobson uh, Shaw. That's that's right. Hobson Shaw. So, uh, which I uh, I was uh, I was okay. So, just in case you haven't been listening, I'm absolutely lukewarm about the fast and furious films i don't really care i've seen i think four of them i'm not up on the mythology i find them usually enjoyable while i'm in front of them i was excited for hobbs and shaw because i will watch jason statham do just about anything and uh i i really enjoyed that movie for about an hour and a half <laughs> which is about what happens with most fast and furious films for me and then i was done with hobbs and shaw and i couldn't wait for it to be over um And uh, this tickled me from beginning to end. I I enjoyed Bullet Train. uh, I don't want to say tremendously. I I don't want to oversell this. This isn't like the greatest thing ever. But, oh my God, Chris, this is what I want summer movies to be like. (laughs) This was light. This was fun. It's really well-structured. I laughed uh, continuously at the stupid little character bits. I appreciated that the action is all of these wonderfully written, and yes, I mean it that way, wonderfully written hand-to-hand combat scenes where you actually understand why people are punching and kicking, and you understand that they are punching and kicking and counter-punching and counter-kicking. It's not just a flail of limbs, and it's not balletic like a Jackie Chan movie. It's edited. It's, uh, I, I just enjoyed it. It hit me in all the right places uh, quite unexpectedly.
0: Uh it, it did not hit me that way. Um but I will say I, David Leitch is a filmmaker who I am very hot and cold on. Uh I I le- unlike you I have seen every Fast and Furious movie. Yes.
1: Um I know you have.
0: Most of them on opening night. Uh you should have stuck it out after 4 cuz that's when the series got good. Um you know. I I've only I think I've seen one five six
1: Seven. Hobson okay. Shaw and
0: Eight and Nine. Okay. Yeah. I think.
1: Seen... All right. I skipped seen... the bad was... ones by
0: all accounts. Yeah, so, yeah I, you have skipped the bad ones. I might um, have missed. I, I might have checked out. I might not have seen eight or seven. I might have seen one of the others. I don't remember. I will I, don't remember. I will be a hundred percent honest. It is like a um <laughs> corona fog with those movies. And I don't mean coronavirus, I mean like. <laughs> Corona. It is like a you know, just a corona-induced fog trying to keep it. Burned by the sun. I cannot remember anything about them. Yes, yeah, sure. I get that. Yeah. Um, but I was really excited about Hobbs and Shaw because I like those characters in the Fast and Furious movies. That movie didn't work for me. Um something about it like bounced right off me. Uh Deadpool 2 it's a fine deadpool movie.
1: Oh, um, I realized
0: he did Deadpool 2. I didn't see Deadpool 2. Which also uh, also very briefly uh stars Brad Pitt. So um connections made. Literally literally <laughs> a 2 second cameo. Um it, it was fine. Uh but on paper there is no movie that should have worked better for me than a uh, bullet train, because this is the type of thing I love. Like we've talked about Brad Pitt a lot on this program. I think like we've, we've done a weird amount of Brad Pitt. Basically. Yeah. Um. And, and it's because I like Brad Pitt and I know you like Brad Pitt too. And he's and, got great taste. Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 normally he does. Uh, and I could see why he'd want to do this role because it's kind of the Brad Pitt, John Wick type thing. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's so weird that Bob Odenkirk got an action franchise before Brad Pitt. Um, <laughs> so I was all in to see Brad Pitt get to kick a little butt. I like hitman movies, I like one location movies, I like stylish, silly things. Um, this movie has a great cast. I, I do like Brad Pitt in it. I think he's fun. I like Brian Tyree Henry in it. Um, I like Aaron Taylor Johnson in it. I just don't like what it is. Um <laughs> Interesting. It, it, and it's a totally subjective thing. I, I think the tone of the movie just got on my nerves so quickly. The sense of humor is so, it's very glib. And it felt to me very pleased with itself. And I'm like, you got to earn being pleased with yourself. Um I, I don't respond well to the anime aesthetic. And this has a lot of that. Uh For me, it was like a two hour headache um that's that's interesting because i wouldn't have called it glib i would have called it light
1: i would have called it very easygoing yeah it just <laughs> and that may be just a split yeah then we may be coming out of the same way just one sounds nicer than the other yeah. I, I i that's that's interesting i mean it never it never does anything really feel like it's at stake so I, I have a hard time with thinking of it as glib it's not like it's you know it's not exactly dealing with anything terribly serious. Well, okay, not to but you is, to take it seriously from the go.
0: It is a movie that opens with a man standing by the hospital bed of his son, who was pushed off a building. Uh, so th- there, there are serious things going on. Yeah, but none of those people are Brad Pitt, no. so I know I'm not supposed to take that seriously.
1: I mean, <laughs> Come on. It, Come on. I know Brad Pitt's in the movie, and these people aren't Brad Pitt, so this isn't Brad Pitt's
0: kid. I don't have to be invested in this. <laughs> I, I don't know. It, it would just... It's the thing that would normally work for me, because there's a lot of Kill Bill I felt in this movie, which is a movie I love. Yes. Um That's fair. And Absolutely. for whatever reason, Kill Bill works for me. This does not. Uh, it was like a two-hour headache it? for me, and it might just be a totally subjective response. I... I also just felt like there was a lot coming at me that was introduced and then tossed aside. Like Zazzy Beats shows up for literally like five minutes. Um, it, the, it, it could have easily been a sequel to Snakes on a Plane, uh, except that's thrown out the window in two minutes. And well,
1: it, it is a very, like it does feel like the first thing I've seen that feels like a big budget COVID production, right? Like it's, sure. it's all contained yeah. sets with two or three actors. Sure. It yeah, still I, feels I, yeah. big. Like, it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel that way. Like I am mean, I, I was thinking about it. It didn't feel that way, but I was observing the fact that, oh, this feels like it was made absolutely under COVID protocols. Like, it's got, they've got a really limited cast in a single space for long scenes. And so they only have to protect two or three actors and they can shoot this whole sequence in this spot and it gets done. And then it's edited together so well. I don't think most people are going to care or notice, but that they got away with it, I, I
0: really enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I'm glad you enjoyed it because I really wanted to enjoy it. And uh, even the action, I just, I like, I think there are some really clever hand-to-hand scenes, Mm -hmm. um, which are fun, but I felt like those were done really quick, and then it was on to really... Big use of slow motion. Big use of really bad computer effects. Uh, There's a train. It shouldn't be a spoiler in an action movie called Bullet Train. There's a train crash at the end of the movie. That is some of the worst use of CGI and slow motion I have seen. Um, And it just totally ripped me out of the movie. Um, Yeah. Uh, You weren't really at that point anyway, though. Come on. I wasn't. I wasn't. I would totally line up to see Brad Pitt try this genre again i i would totally watch him i i like his kind of you know neurotic paranoid hitman who's not really a hitman that's never really clear he's no he's just kind
1: good. of a all-around badass
0: yeah yeah he, he's he, he's a he's a fixer yeah and then bad bunny shows up for two minutes and <laughs> And he's this, fine. It was he's it, perfectly fine. I, it made me feel the way you've described sitting through the Lego Movie, um, which is a movie I I really like. But it was just it felt very frantic, very loud, very overly colorful. Oh, yeah. And I, 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 as much as you
1: didn't care for this, I would hope you wouldn't think of this film as glib, I'll take, but I hope you wouldn't think of this film as cynical, and that's what I think the
0: Lego movie is. I don't <laughs> think it's cynical. I, I don't think it's cynical. Okay, good. Good. I'm yeah. glad. I don't think the Lego movie is cynical either, but
1: that's a conversation okay, well, for another oh, that's, time. There's, why, then why if it's taking place from the kid's point of view, are there scenes in which we have the model number of the Lego that we see on the screen?
0: Because shut up. but <laughs> <laughs> That's cynical. That's that's cynical. Uh, that's
1: just cynical. There's no other word for it.
0: No, yeah, I, I think it's glib. <laughs> I don't think it's cynical. I think Bullet Train, for whatever reason, did not connect with me. I'm I'm fascinated by this. I would love, I hope that you revisit it. In like four or five years, I think it hit
1: you on a bad day. I'm, I'm honestly surprised you didn't. At least I'm not saying you to love it. It's not breaking, setting the world on fire. Don't get me wrong. It just surprised me how much I did enjoy it uh, for what I for for what I had going in. And I will say this other thing about it: something we complain about regularly. If you liked the trailer for this, not only does the movie deliver on that, the trailer doesn't even give away. Ninety-five percent of what's that is good true. In it. Like there, there are there are beats in the trailer that were hilarious, and there are funnier things in the movie, and that I really respected. I will agree
0: that the trailer gives it's very honest. little away. The trailer <laughs> gives very little away. The trailer gives a hint at the tone of the movie. Um, I don't know if I would agree. There's funnier things in the movie. Oh, Comedy and subject. Right. That's uh, true. Yes, it is. So, but I'm glad you liked it. Um, you know, I. I've seen people split on this and maybe it is, maybe it was a bad night and it could be a movie that I see on HBO max in a, in a year or so and be like, oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought before HBO max, you know, rips it off and disappears it with all their other movies. So, So, but let's talk about a movie I did see on a bad day that I actually really liked. Uh, and that is Jordan Peele's Nope. Um, a, a movie that's been out for about a month now. So if I spoil a little bit, I mean, you guys had a month. This is a movie a month. podcast. Also, the box office is still plugged in the weekend. You've seen it already if you want to see it. So this is yeah. on you. Yeah. I, I mean, the only reason you've gone to a movie theater and not seen Nope yet is because you went and saw Top Gun Maverick another four times, which people are still doing. And shame on you. But... <laughs> But uh I I was really looking forward to Nope. Uh this is Jordan Peele's take on a UFO movie. Um and it is that it is his UFO movie, but there it is also his attempt to do a Spielberg size spectacle. Uh there's a little bit of Close Encounters of the Third Kind in here. There's a little bit of Jaws in here. Um I'm not saying it is it's as a little, good as those. There's a little bit of signs in here. A little bit of sign. So- I like signs, but uh, <laughs> I, you know, I'm I'm a fan of Jordan Peele. I, I we've talked about Get Out before. I think in our best of the decade list, it was on my best of the decade. I I really love Get Out. I don't love Us, but uh, I like it. It, it. There's enough in there that worked and kept me interested. That uh, I liked it when I saw it. I haven't revisited it. Um, I think nope is, it's obviously his biggest film yet, his biggest canvas. Um, I will say, up front, I think, narratively, it is his messiest film. Um, This is a movie where he has a lot going on, and I don't really feel like he has an elegant way to get at everything he wants to get at. I mean, this is a movie that is about at different points, our exploitation of animals, um, the way we use wild animals for entertainment and how that can come back to bite us. It is about um, a little bit about the history of uh, the Black community in cinema and how that's been forgotten. And I will admit, I think he forgets that for about an hour in the movie. Um, It's a movie about... Two people, uh, brother and sister, Daniel Kiluya and Kiki Palmer. They operate their family's horse ranch, which sp- supplies horses to the movies. They see a UFO. They decide they're going to get it on camera and shenanigans ensue. Um, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this movie. Um, whatever the mess is, I was OK with it. I think. I would rather ding Jordan Peele for having too much ambition and not being able to get his arms around all of it than just turning in the UFO movie I've seen 20 times before. Um, I, I think everything he has crammed in there has a thematic purpose. I just think there's a more elegant way to deliver on those themes or maybe save some of those themes for another movie. But I think there are portions of this movie that are terrifying. Had me on the edge of my seat, I think when the threat is revealed, what the nature of this UFO is, it unsettled me because it just, it, it's something I had not seen before. There's a subplot involving a monkey who went berserk on a sitcom that leads to a sequence I thought was terrifying and suspenseful. And yeah, I also think it's his funniest movie uh, and, and very playful. There's a sequence where, He goes through about three different scare scenes that are all fake outs before then delivering a a scare sequence that really unnerved me um, because of the way he uses sound. Uh, Some of the images he comes up with are really, like, really unsettled me. Um, Yeah, I I really liked Nope. I I liked the big canvas he was on. I I had a good time with this. Um, But Perry, why did you not like it? Why are you wrong?
1: Uh, Horror is subjective. So I'll just lead with that. Like, there you go. Uh, Here's, here's where I am. Uh, I, I, I have a hard time phrasing this. I didn't love Get Out as much as everybody else. And I still think it's great. I I want to be real clear. I think Get Out is an absolute excellent first film. So you would have only voted for it twice. And an amazing screenplay. Okay. Okay. I want to get that. I think it's a better screenplay than it is than it is a directed film and I think it's a really well directed film I think the screenplay is outstanding Us for me if I'm being generous is incoherent and if I'm being mean is nonsense I I I I, but Us was never boring and this movie bored me Chris (laughs) I was never invested once I was not scared I was not tense I was not given characters that I invested in early. There's no, I don't know why I care about either of them. I like them both as performers a great deal. I like the characters as people, but I don't have any sense that their business is about to go under. I, <laughs> everything kind of feels okay. I don't have any sense that I, 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 I don't know who they are. i I have no sense of character get out was brilliant because it puts you in a situation right up front that is incredibly human even if you are not of a different race meeting your different race significant other's parents for the first time you can put yourself there you've experienced something akin to it that is an incredibly universal tense situation to be in which leads to both the comedy and the horror in that movie uh Us doesn't ask you to connect with anything, so it doesn't matter. This, I I just all I could do is sit there and go, yeah. If I'm kind, I'm saying he's trying to do Spielberg. If I'm being mean, I'd say he's he's basically matching M Night shot for shot and note for note. This just didn't play for me at all, uh, for all the reasons you. So I clearly said, I don't know what it's about. You could tell me what that thing is, and he's got a lot of ideas none of which are developed none of which for me have i been able to connect to whatever is happening in the movie that makes any sense you know these are the things that's that that and i i feel stupid making this comparison to another african-american filmmaker but you know Spike Lee does this constantly. Spike Lee tells his story and gives you the film history lesson at the same time. <laughs> that's, that's what Undercover, or, uh, that's what uh, uh, Black Klansman was all about. <laughs> and did it beautifully. Uh, and when he decides to just tell you the Hollywood history, he gives you something as incredibly difficult as Bamboozled, which is you know, way more interesting about the Black experience in Hollywood than this movie. <laughs> because it doesn't have a story about that. It just kind of mentions it. Uh, That sequence with the monkey in the sitcom, okay, I don't understand what the end of that sequence means. I don't understand what that means in the movie. I don't understand why the kid hiding under the tablecloth who sees it happen then grows up to be that guy.
0: I don't- Oh, I I think that's all there. I think that's all there in how we think we can control. I mean, it, it, I don't want to give much away for people who haven't seen it. I, I have already spoiled that it's about a UFO, which you know. <laughs> but but there, I I think there's a lot going on there about you know kind of our our pride and how we think we can control the wild things, which is a big theme of the movie. And that that sequence ends on a particular character doing something that you could see. Builds in him this belief that he was able to control something, which he grows up obsessed with and, grow, you know, meets a certain fate trying to control another wild creature. Um, I don't think it's particularly smooth the way he jumps back and forth. Uh, I, I mean, he literally starts with the monkey attack and then saves that for like an hour and a half in the movie, even though that's not the main character. There's, there was a more elegant way to put all these plot threads together. I think they all connect and they're all important. Um, I think he loses some of the thread of the uh, the black history a bit. Like he he kind of forgets about it until the end when he needs to bring up someone else is about to steal history from them again. Um, I, I will venture a little bit just to say that, uh, venture into spoilers just a little bit, to say that I think what the UFO is revealed to be Uh, it's not a machine. Um, and that, that tapped into just a very personal kind of thing that, that freaks me out. Um, like if you go, if you go out to the ocean and you see these giant creatures, like giant jellyfish or octopus or something like that, like something that big and dangerous that, can kill you, like just terrifies me. Just nature is scary, and that was what uh, that was what scared me about this particular threat. Um, I, I also think there are just sequences in this movie that really are well done. Um, there's a sequence, I'll, I'll just say it involves blood raining from the skies that I thought was a nightmarish image but the sound design in this also just it, it's the first time i can remember in a long time where the sound design in a movie like made the hairs on the back of my arms stand up uh oh it, i i'm still i'm i have i have fond and vivid memories of a quiet place still i'll, I'll take oh that shit. Over this every time oh, shit. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> shit. no no okay that was a quiet movie perry <laughs> no you are right I, I mean i don't think nope is no i don't think nope is as good as a quiet place i would put it above maybe a quiet place too um, something to see I, I i'm kind of avoiding it because i love the first one so much like, it, 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 can't, it, it can't be as good <laughs> it's not as good but it's not bad check it out like i, I feel like I, the need to. I would like to um and i'm not saying it's as good like i think Jordan Peele really wants to be Spielberg. He's not Spielberg. Spielberg is Spielberg. Um, But, you know, for a big sci-fi movie in the middle of summer that isn't based on a comic book or any other property, it scratched an itch for me. I I enjoyed it. I I found the experience of watching it to be engrossing and entertaining. And, uh, you know, I I think I thought more about those inelegant parts more on the drive home. But the, the... the moment of watching it i i greatly enjoyed it i had a good time with it good i i am i am glad you did and yes i am i am happy to see something like this do
1: so well i just wish it were better
0: fair enough (laughs) that is
1: fair enough i wish it were better i wish it were full of a character i cared about and had a laugh or two in it other than the the couple of times that Daniel kaluuya says the title of the film those are every time well, <laughs> and that is the only time I laughed in the movie. And I, again, I want to say I really like. Lo- There's no bad performance here. I don't blame the actors at all. I think they're all really good. Kiki Palmer is especially wonderful. I've been watching this since she was a little kid. I, she's really she's very entertaining here. I wish I could. I wish she was given a character I cared about. <laughs> and I wish there was something other than uh, 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 it's, the Spielberg film. It's the, the Spielberg film. It's failing to match up to his Raiders. Okay, if the message is to not watch, Um, it's to not watch the spectacle, (laughs) which Raiders has the decency, Raiders understands it's a B-movie, gives the audience the spectacle, but this movie doesn't, (laughs) a big ominous shadow to me is not a spectacle, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I never cared once about what was in the sky visually. I mean, I understand what he's doing. I understand it's, there's a reason it's monkey paw productions. He doesn't want to show it or he, and if, if he can. And I, I respect that, but I wasn't impressed by it. Or did I care about it? And that's just a bummer for me. I was, I, I was just like you said, I was bored early on and it never won me back.
0: Fair enough fair enough maybe you'll catch it in a year and uh, you'll feel different quite possibly quite possibly. um but but speaking of things that were kind of we wish were better uh that <laughs> yeah, is that's a perfect segment chris thank you for that <laughs> we have been going throughout this year um through the filmography of robert altman not hitting every film because life is short but uh we're, so hitting many. The, we're hitting the we're hitting I mean I think between nashville and Popeye, There are a few we've glossed over, like Health, and you saw the Buffalo Bill one, right? Wedding,
1: Buffalo Bill, Mm -hmm. the Indians. There's another one right in there that I'm totally blanking on that that doesn't matter.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But uh, but we've hit the big ones. We've hit MASH. We've hit The Long Goodbye. We've hit McCabe and Mrs. Miller, and we've hit Nashville. Um, And one film in particular, since we started – talking about this, that I have been adamant that we've got to do is Popeye. Um, And I will completely confess, I don't know why I was that adamant uh, to include Popeye, except (laughs) that I had always heard it was a giant fiasco. Um, We did a whole episode very early in this podcast about Robin Williams. And I liked the idea of being able to go visit an early Robin Williams performance that I hadn't seen. Um, And as we moved through Robert Altman's filmography, I wanted to see it more and more because I am familiar with what Popeye is. And as I started to realize I'm familiar with who Robert Altman is and what he does, I did not understand how these two things could meet. Um, It, it kind of, I couldn't even, I, I didn't watch a trailer or anything for it because I'm like... I just don't know how you you take a filmmaker who is so good at bringing to life these tactile worlds and communities and making, you know, Popeye the Sailor Man out of that. <laughs> um, so our film this week is Popeye, the 1980 movie directed by Robert Altman, starring Robin Williams and Shelley Duvall. Um, I don't know where to start with it except to say... Upon watching it.
1: <laughs> I'm so excited to know how this goes. We haven't talked, people. This is, I'm hearing this for, this for the first time. So I Here's am on tenterhooks.
0: Here's the thing. This is going to be a weird conversation because I don't know that I would call the film bad. I don't know that I would call it good. I will say I was surprised that I didn't have to break it up into chunks to watch. I watched it all in one sitting that's impressive and by the end of it i kind of liked it <laughs> i i and i liked it because it is not what i expected but if you were to tell me sight unseen this Popeye musical was directed by the same guy who made mccabe and mrs miller <laughs> i could look at it i could watch the movie and say Oh, yeah, I see that it does. It doesn't feel like a Robert Altman phoning it in. Right. It does not. It might have very well been a paycheck for him. Uh, This was Robert Evans, baby, who, uh, you know, he wanted to do it when they couldn't get Annie. And so someone's just like, oh, no, what about Popeye? And here we have it. I mean, I think Hal Ashby was supposed to direct it. Um, Dustin Hoffman was going to be Popeye, which I I, my brain breaks thinking of uh, it's the right height. Yeah, it's about it. It's about the right only thing. Um, no, I, I mean, I can watch this movie and I can see, oh, okay, the same guy who brought a whole Western town to life in McCabe and Mrs. Miller. That's very noticeable for me in Seeha- Sweet Haven, mm-hmm. which is uh, a very, like, such a tactile community that you can even go visit it still in Malta. Um, mm-hmm. But it is a tactile, real community. And this isn't Robert Altman. Making Garfield, right? This isn't even Bill Murray phoning in the voice of Garfield. He's he's not talking down to this material, he's treating it like a real movie with real characters. Robin Williams is giving an actual performance. This is it's weird because yes, it's cartoony because that's the point. It's a cartoon, it's <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it, it's a performance. Like, I admire the fact that no one seemed to phone it in. They they really Made a Popeye musical. Uh-huh. Here's the thing though, I don't know that the music is great, I don't know that it's overly funny, and yet I could not look away. Um, <laughs> it, 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 there was something about it that the first half hour of this movie, I was like, What the hell is this? Yeah, because the first half hour of this movie is basically. Popeye coming to town. Olive Oil's gonna marry Bluto, and it's Popeye just not really feeling like he fits into this Sweet Haven community. Which shades of the long goodbye. He's kind of you know, yeah, <laughs> a, a ghouled character. Walking he's the around tough there. outsider. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it's really weird because that's the moment where it feels very much like an Altman movie where there's just this cast of dozens. That is going about their business and, you know, the dialogue's flowing in and out and it it culminates in this like big engagement party. And I didn't know what the hell it was at that point. And then they get sweepy (laughs) and the movie turns into something that's a little more of a traditional kids movie. And I felt like, oh, I can connect with this a little bit more if I look at this as the alternative to Annie I understand what this movie is and I don't hate it. <laughs> I don't okay. know what else to say. I it, it You described it on uh when we were talking back and forth this week, you described it as a singular experience. Yes. And that is the best description I can get of it because, you know, I, I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I was kind of mesmerized by it. Um, so, what do you think of Popeye?
1: So, I have a long history with this movie. Uh, I don't know if I've talked about this on the. I think I've talked about this on the show, maybe a long time ago. Um, I have loved Robin Williams since I was five. I I remember watching Mork and Mindy. Like, I loved Robin Williams, and I remember this coming out, and I wanted to see this in the theater. Like the the first movie I remember being like. I need to see this movie was the crystal reef Superman and I would have been five. Uh, yeah. 78, but five. Okay. Uh, this is a couple years later. So I'm seven and I really wanted to see Popeye. I didn't know who Robert Altman was. I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know who Jules Pfeiffer was who wrote the screenplay. I didn't know who Harry Nilsson was who wrote all the songs. I, but I knew who Robin Williams was. <laughs> And I wanted to see, and I knew who Popeye was. So I really wanted to see Robin Williams play Popeye. And I remember seeing it in my hometown theater as a kid. And I have no idea what I saw. I mean, I I don't remember my reaction to the movie. I'm sure I liked it. There's no way I couldn't have liked it. I'm sure I found it weird that Popeye didn't want to eat spinach. That's always been the weirdest thing in the movie by a wide margin. (laughs) Very weird. But, you know, revisiting it a few times over the years, Uh, you know, and then getting to know who all of these amazing artists were who made the movie, uh, you know, I am now at a place where there is like half of it that I adore and half of it that I just am flummoxed that it's around the stuff I adore. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) And weirdly enough, you kind of broke it up into into the stuff for me. That first half hour really is a... What is this? I mean, everything from the outstanding sets in Malta to Robin, to Popeye's constant, obviously dubbed verbal asides that are impossible to hear. For the most part, like you're not, like you know, when Alvin usually, you know, throws dialogue away, it's not important, but this feels like, well, we're like, it feels like we're losing laugh lines. And so it's this weird, uncomfortable, like, what, what, I, let, I can't hear it. What are these, what are these, oh, that was, that was funny. And sometimes you can hear it crystal clear, but not all the time. It, <laughs> so it, he, he comes off like a madman, muttering to himself mm-hmm. throughout the first half of the movie. But then, yes, they introduce the baby and like, he and Shelley Duvall are so sweet. Yeah, they yeah. are so. It's it is a truly lovely movement in the movie. Like when they find the baby and start this, you know, the the tendrils of this new family start to grow. It's. it's wonderful to watch the two of them the performances are superb i don't blame robin williams talking about these weird asides he's Mm -hmm. got the voice nailed i could watch him scrunch that eye the entire time that's never not funny to me it's an amazing physical performance so much so that i wish he didn't have the cartoon forearms which are just disturbing to look at for the whole movie for me (laughs) yes i don't like them like they're not it's it's like why (laughs) um but then I hate the last half hour of this movie. <laughs> like, like I don't I don't care about Popeye's dad. I don't care about Ray Walston. Um other than the weird sequence in which he in which he force feeds him spinach. It doesn't make any sense. I, it's just the movie makes no sense. And so where I am now as an adult at my age with my particular taste is, and this is the one person who you didn't talk about when you listed all the wonderful people who made this movie. I am a card carrying member of the cult of Harry. I am a Harry Nilsson fan through and through. I adore these songs. They are, they are Harry Nilsson all the way. And I, 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 I adore. There's a, my favorite thing to come out of Popeye now, aside from the, uh, I I love the I am what I am number. Yes, the I do karma. like it. Yes, yes. I that's classic Nilsson for me. Um, and so they they re released the soundtrack a few years ago for Popeye. Okay, five or six years ago, with a whole bunch of Nilsson's demos that he recorded for all the songs. And there is this wonderful. I should send it to you. There's this wonderful 14, like I think it's a 14 minute version of He Needs Me. Which is a wonderful song. I love that sequence. There's a reason Paul Thomas Anderson just used it outright. In Punch I was going to
0: say, this is the second best movie to use that song. <laughs> yes, but the
1: in the soundtrack, it is it is Nilsen singing it with Shelley Duvall, like sort of gently teaching her how to sing it while they are singing. It. Like they're obviously just working it out in the studio, and it is just as sweet and wonderful. <laughs> as as the best parts of the movie (laughs) so i I, 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 all this is to say i have a very deep and complicated history with this movie (laughs) that i don't i would never say i hate it i would never ask anybody to watch it (laughs) but it is (laughs) like i like i'm so glad you you agree with me on this it's just this weird singular
0: experience it is not some weird cash grab like this is not a film little kids are gonna like no i was trying to think like like there was a I, part of me when I started it, I'm like, Oh, I should watch this with my kids. Like, so and, and I didn't. And I'm like, Oh, they would hate this. They would be bored by it. They would be kind of confused by it. Um, it's not as
1: violent as the Popeye cartoons. Mm-mm. So like, if that's what you're there for, that's Unless not Unless you
0: don't
1: there. like octopuses. <laughs> that's true. That's very true. So, and, and, and it's so obviously specifically made by these very talented people who, let's face it, We're on Malta and taking all the cocaine in the world. Yes. Let's be quite honest. <laughs> this is 1980. Robert Evans was there. Robert Altman was there. Robin Williams was there. All the cocaine was being consumed on the, on the island of Malta while they were making this movie. The, I, but they had a vision of what they wanted to do. Like nothing, no decision here is bad because it's a sop to the audience. Mm-hmm. No decision is here because it seemed like the right box office move to make, which is why it's still fascinating. It doesn't misstep because for obvious reasons, it missteps in ways you don't see coming at all, yeah. <laughs> which is great. But, you know? um, and if you, yes, if you're charmed by what it is doing, you will stay charmed by it throughout. I just, I just sort of sit back, slack at it to this day and think, wow, somebody made that. Yeah. <laughs> well, th- Literally, this
0: is why you do the podcast. How did this get made? Yes. Literally, this is why you do this podcast. I'm curious if they, I don't even think they've done that one. I Um, doubt it. It's too famous. I think it's just too famous for them. But no, I mean, the movie I kept in my mind before I saw it, that I kept comparing it to was, oh, is this going to be like the Flintstones movie from 1993? Right. Um, Which I will confess when I was a uh, young kid, I saw the crap out of the Flintstones movie. (laughs) Um, I mean, I, I was all there for dinosaur puns. Um, this is not that, this is not the pandering. Oh, we're just gonna, you know, do the cash grab because this will get the kids in movie. This very much oddly feels at a lot of points like a Robert Altman movie, which is weird since yeah. it was Robert Evans, baby. But, uh, like you talk about that half hour, which I had the subtitles on and it didn't help. Um, you know i like, <laughs> i half expected amazon to just give me question marks when i was watching it but um it is little jokes that robin <laughs> williams is peppering in but the way he mutters to himself as he's walking through town reminded me of that whole stream of consciousness that yes. elliot gould did in uh the long, long it, life. absolutely very much in line with what robert altman has done um except it's just you know, we, we've talked before how he plays around with different genres. And, you know, McCabe and Mrs. Miller is his his Western, Mash is his war movie. This is his cartoon. Hey, you know, this is his Marvel movie. This is his right? family movie. Yeah. This yeah. is his family movie. Yeah. Yep. This is. And, and I can absolutely see. That, you know, you compare this to, you know, Annie or something, which it's been ages since I've seen Annie, but it definitely feels like, okay, we're going to deliver a crowd pleaser that, you know, is going to take this material and bring heart to it and be a musical that all, you know, that everyone loves. The problem is they let them have artistic integrity and, uh, <laughs> you know, make make an actual movie out of it. And I don't know that those elements all you know of wanting to make an actual movie and having to make a Popeye movie all go together all the time, but it is right. fascinating yep. to watch them collide. Um, I think yeah. some of the songs are great. You you mentioned the "I Am What I Am" song, that's great. That is the high point to the movie for me. I love the "He Needs Me" song. Uh, he's large. I just had like
1: oh, uh, I love he's like large,
0: slack jawed. Like what the hell is this? <laughs> but um,
1: he's got money. It's uh, large. Uh, oh, it, I love that.
0: I, I will admit, I liked the last half hour um, with popeye's it, Yeah, dad. it
1: plays for some people. It, it just never has for me. I, I mean,
0: don't know why. I like Ray Walston. I just don't. It, the The joke that made me laugh. Was early on when Popeye is, you know, sitting in his room and he has the picture of his dad and it's just an empty frame that says me papa on it. Yeah. But then later in the movie, when you meet his dad and he has the frame written in it, me son. And I'm like, yes. that, that's a funny joke. That made me laugh. Uh, yeah. The punching the octopus made me laugh for some reason.
1: Did all the stuff falling off the walls every time they closed the door? Yeah. No. (laughs) See, yeah. (laughs) So it's uh, to each his own, and I don't. Like I said, I don't know what's going to work and what doesn't in this movie for people.
0: And there's other times where I find the way that people move through the town to be really wonderfully choreographed, as they're like kind of falling over each other or doing cartwheels and stuff. But then there's other times, like the the fight in the bar, where it feels you can almost see them looking for their mark on the ground to hit that mark and it's like it's not even consistent in the things I like but there's enough that I do like that I'm like yeah I'll keep watching this I'm not suffering
1: and I do want to say this that for all of this very high powered white male talent making this movie sculpting this very weird concoction the best thing about it is Shelley Duvall yes (laughs) She is olive oil. It is is a truly lovely performance that never doesn't seem like the cartoon, and yet is full of all sorts of emotion. (laughs) She never isn't two-dimensional, and she's never not three-dimensional. It's really impressive, even more so than Robin Williams, who's got more to do physically, I grant, but oh... She is so wonderful throughout this, and that's really the reason uh, for the songs and for her. I can watch, I, I, I will watch this if anybody asks. I'm probably not going to throw it on on my own, but if somebody was interested, I can easily watch it for those two things.
0: See, here's the thing: I agree with you that she is great and is the best performance in the movie and is wonderful. Um, what's funny is I remember years before I even knew this movie existed, and it was probably the first time I saw The Shining. Seeing Shelley Duvall. The same year. Holy crap. I just want to point this out yeah, to you. Yeah, you're right. The
1: Shining I, and Popeye came out the same year.
0: And I remember going, wow, if they ever make a Popeye movie, she should be olive oil. Uh, I had no <laughs> idea this existed. Um, she, I think even Roger, Hebert, Roger, Chastity, even genius. says, you know, this is the role she was born to play. I think she's fantastic. I think she nails the voice. I think, like you said, there is a living, breathing character in there. Um, I have kind of the same issue with her, though, that I have with Kate Capshaw in Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Shelly Duvall is giving a much better performance here. They're both doing what's written and what that character is. My problem is what that character is can get on my nerves very quickly. <laughs> and watching it with headphones on and during the final fight, every two seconds just here. oh 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 Popeye like like, what the hell like (laughs) but that is the character that is olive oil you know (laughs) even in the cartoons just at you know 10 minutes of the cartoon as opposed to two hours in a movie exactly Um,
1: but yeah had this movie been like 10 10 minute short films Mm -hmm. you could have done it that way I don't know that it would have been better it probably wouldn't have been as interesting, but I'm so glad they didn't make that decision. <laughs> I'm so glad this is what this is. Like that Three Stooges movie from the Fairley brothers a few years ago. I you know I like that choice to do three Three Stooges shorts for the Three Stooges movie rather than make a 90 minute movie. Then it's a story that I'm supposed to follow. Uh, I don't know if that would have worked here or not, but I will watch and listen to Shelley Duvall
0: do that anytime. It really felt interesting also to watch this in a day where Every single big movie we get is based on IP, right? Like that is, that is, and this is 1980s based on beloved IP. I can go to Universal Studios right now and see Popeye there, right? Mm -hmm. But it does not feel compromised from being an actual movie. It doesn't feel... You know, I, I don't know if fan service was a concept back then, but it doesn't feel fan service y. It doesn't feel like, like you said, he doesn't even eat spinach till the end of the movie. You know, he it, doesn't want to eat spinach before right, then, right. even he more so than he doesn't. He does Right? He's, he's spitting spinach out of his mouth, which is, you know, it's just if, cognitive dissonance. I can't, I can't, I don't it, understand what I'm seeing. It, it just feels weird that they would have, you know, to see a movie these days where it's, Famous IP that doesn't really care about, you know, living up to your memory of the IP. It just, it's a movie. It's its own. Yeah, it is. It is the David S. Pumpkins of movies because it is its own thing. (laughs) And it doesn't, it is, it
1: is still, like,
0: it's obviously Popeye. Yeah.
1: And yet it owes nothing to those cartoons. Like, it is not one of those cartoons by any means. And so I'm like, good on you good on you Jules Pfeiffer and Robert Altman you figured out how, you figured out how to make
0: that happen I don't know that it leads in great but I'm glad you thought of it and tried it well and and Robin Williams you know he's he's absolutely Popeye but he's giving it before there is a there's a motion to that character there are you know it is not Dave Couillet coming in to do a Popeye impression yes
1: absolutely and
0: it is not this this was Robin Williams' first movie, right? At least his yes. first headlining. And no, it's his first movie. God, man, that, that I mean, he kind of came out fully formed. Yeah, that and Garp. It's a fantastic one-two punch to start your career. Do you have anything else to say about Popeye? I
1: I, th- I don't think I do. <laughs> 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 I, I I mean. Other than you know, if anything we've said intrigues you, watch it. I would love to know if anybody checks this out or has fond memories or not so fond memories of it. Please, please let us know.
0: I do know, you know, it, it it has a long reputation of being a disaster and critically reviled. But I did read it is starting to get a reappraisal. Like people are coming around and saying, like they 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 dig this way. Roger Ebert gave it three three and a half stars when it came out. Um,
1: but I've you seen can, like. You can find on YouTube the clip from the original Coming Attractions Chicago-based show in which they reviewed it, and they both gave it a glowing, uh, it was, it was pre thumbed they gave it a glowing yes. Oh, really? I know yes. Drew,
0: Drew McQueenie, who I, I love to read, he uh, he loves this, he adores this movie. Um, I, I don't quite share that sentiment, I can't say, I it, it's adoration, but I can say it was not, like, I went in expecting a train wreck, and- It's not, it's its own weird thing. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, yes, it's it's the least of all the Altman movies we've talked about, but, you know, I I still, I'm glad I saw it. I, I had a good time with it. Yep. You will never accuse this movie of selling out no 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 and i i I, you know it's it's kind of i I listen to the podcast blank check quite a bit which is uh you know directors who have a massive success and then can go do whatever they want with their career and this is like the anti-blank check because uh robert altman did this and then he kind of was so burned by this experience he spent the next decade uh doing independent uh, adaptations of plays yeah (laughs) Yeah. he did and really interesting ones too (laughs) And I'm sure we're going to talk about them in the weeks to come, weeks and months to come. We are. Um, So, yeah, that is Popeye. Uh, Definitely not the disaster I thought it was going to be and well worth the conversation. I'm very glad we were able to to get to that one. Um, I think that is it for now. Perry, where can people find you? Ah,
1: Facebook, Twitter at Perry Loves Film. You can hear me every Friday morning on the Lucy Lance show on WLBY, 1290 AM in Ann Arbor. Chris, where can we read all of your fantastic observations?
0: Oh, well, I am on Twitter I, at Mere Christianity. Uh, you can read my reviews of new releases at Cinema Nerds with a Z. Uh, I actually have reviews up of the new Predator movie, Prey, which is on Hulu and is fantastic. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm saying that with no sarcasm. It is a fantastic movie. Um, and then there is Idris Elba's Beast, which comes out this weekend. And, um, you know, you get to see Idris Elba punch a lion in the face. And, uh, you know, I mean, that your summer's complete when you've seen that. Um, but it's, you that's can not, op- That's not the one with Tilda Swinton, right? Right. That's the other one. I want to see the Tilda Swinton one. Oh, the George Miller one. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I have not seen that one yet. I had that screen this week, but it was while I was at work, so I could not make it to the screening of that. Yes, <laughs> I do want to see that. Beast is the one with the uh, not with Tilda Swinton, but with the lion that Idris Elba punches in the face. Um, easy As to make. Easy, yes, easy to make a mistake. <laughs> um, you can also subscribe to my newsletter, Criticisms. Uh Right now, I just did a a little piece about the uh, finale of Better Call Saul, which I adored. Um, And I'm going to write soon about my experience taking my kids to see E.T. on IMAX the other week, which was a fantastic experience that made me realize not just why I love that movie, but why I love the movies in particular. So I look forward to writing that. And um, of course you can hear us here on We're Watching Here and we will be back in a few weeks. I will see you then, Perry. Take care, Chris.